as you remain standing for the reading of God's word. At the beginning of this year, we shared with you that our theme for the year 2022 would be faith, family, and community. First third of the year, we dealt with the series Faith Matters. Someone know that faith still matters. In fact, the reason some of us are even here today in December is because faith matters. Amen, somebody. And then we began the second part of the three-part year-long series, which was entitled Family Matters. Said to you that it's important to come to church. It's important to be super sanctified and holy and all those other things you pride yourself on. But it is more important for you to take care of your family. Amen. Family still matters. And now we are in the last third of the year, the last month of the last year. And so we have talked about community matters. Why is that important? Because it is bigger than you. It is more than just your church and your church building. It is all about the community. Community matters. This is the 10th of 11 messages in this series. And I want to warn you, uh, we preached this message this morning and, and, um, and God bless in a very special way, but, but I just want to warn you that this is not one of those run around the church, jump up and down, take the roof off the building. Amen. This is one of those messages where you need to hear what God says. My dad used to say they can have a sentence. They can't eat fried chicken and rice and gravy and macaroni and cheese every Sunday. <laughs> Amen. You need some antioxidants sometime. See, fried chicken, rice and gravy, macaroni, cheese, it'll help you grow, but it usually grow wide and not up. <laughs> oh, don't y'all get mad at me. <laughs> Amen. Some of y'all say, I can't wait to after church. I'm getting ready to get wide and not up. <laughs> but every now and then, Deacon William T. Moore, you need some broccoli and some carrots and some antioxidants. It helps you fight off diseases and help you as you begin to age and it's good for your heart. Amen. Such is the case today. Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through verse 16 is where the message is found. We've chosen the message Bible as the translation. It reads differently but hopefully you will get the message, you will see what God is saying. I love this translation for this particular scripture reference. Matthew chapter 5, we will begin reading at verse 13. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says to them, let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and you would end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light. Somebody say light. Bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We are going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket do you? I'm putting you on a light stand 
Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Look at somebody and say shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. And those that love God's word said amen. amen. Again, look at the first part of verse 13. It simply says, let me tell you why you are here. For the next few moments, I want to speak to you from this subject, the reason we are here. Look at someone and say, the reason we are here. Clap those hands as you take your seat. Sister Angie, we're praying for you, dear. Praying for you. Amen. And the loss of your mother, faithful mother, faithful child of God, Sister Faison. Amen. The reason we are here. As believers, as faith walkers, as born again, baptized faith walkers as we often identify ourselves. We often find ourselves debating what is our role, what is our purpose in this secular society. What is our role in the world with the world. Listen, we at times seem to struggle with the question, why are we here? Can I just be honest? Times as churchgoers, as faith walkers, as believers, we are perplexed. We debate each other we struggle with that question, why are we here? There are those who feel as if we as believers, as faith walkers, should what I've identified as to quietly assimilate. To quietly assimilate, which simply means to blend in without causing or calling much attention to our differences. We ought not make a lot of noise. We should not stand out. Just ought to blend in, be a part of the fabric, be a part of society without making a fuss. Quietly assimilate. And then there are others who feel as if we should totally disassociate, totally disassociate. They believe that we should have little, if any, and as few moments of interaction with the world as possible. Just do what you have to do and that's it. Don't do a lot. Don't hang out with them. Don't talk with them. Don't dress like they dress. Don't go where they go. We ought to be different. We ought to look different. We ought to act different. They ought to know that we are children of God. We don't want anything to do with the world. Anything to do with this sinful society. That is one of the views. However, I personally believe, this is my humble opinion, that both of these positions are wrong. Can I preach to you? I told you this is an antioxidant message this morning. Both of these positions are wrong. And they both can be detrimental to what our true mission is, which is to be a witness. Somebody say witness. To be a witness as we attempt to win souls for 
the kingdom, your goal, your purpose, our goal and purpose is to be a witness. Now, it is difficult, my brothers and sisters, to witness to those you disdain, dislike, despise, cannot stand, and go out of your way to avoid. Preach Pastor Jackson. You can call us. I've often wondered how you're going to witness to people you don't even like. You don't even talk to. You think you're better than they are. Preach, Pastor Jackson. You don't want anything to do with them unless you have to. But yet you're called to be a witness. Look at somebody and say, that's hard. That's why some of you don't witness it. <laughs> because ain't nobody is righteous like you. And nobody's going to heaven but you, your family, y'all four, and no more. Okay. <laughs> no. Every other church going to hell. Every other denomination going to hell. Anybody else that don't dress like we do, talk like we do, worship like we do, they're going to hell. That's wrong. On the other side, can I preach this? It is also very difficult to witness to those, please don't miss this, take this in the right way, that you are too friendly and cozy with to tell them the truth. Now note, I did not say you ought not be friendly and cozy with people. I said, don't get too friendly and too cozy that you don't feel comfortable telling them the truth. Concerned that you may embarrass them, upset them, or hurt their feelings. You're not called to be cheerleaders. You're called to be witnesses problem with us is that we sometimes have such close knitted interactive groups that we don't feel comfortable pointing out when somebody is wrong told the church this morning one of the things that I despise would be surrounding yourself with a bunch of people that are going to echo your ego I ought to write a book on that one day the, the, people, there are people out there that don't do anything but echo your ego. They, they can't tell you when you're wrong because they don't want to be a dissenting voice in your head. My wife and I have a discussion all the time. We'll come back and she'll say, somebody said this was good. I said, who said it? And she said, why you always ask? I said, who said it? Okay. I said, don't. Don't tell me what your cheerleader said. Don't tell me what your inner group said. You ought to always surround yourself with people that can tell you when you need to do better regardless of your friendship. You need to surround yourself with people that will tell you, slow down. I don't care if you are the pastor. Do better. I don't care what your title is. Somebody ought to be able to speak truth to you no matter who you are. Tell me the truth. That has become the problem with spiritual leadership. Spiritual leadership surround themselves with people who are as corrupt and egotistical as they are. And they kiss up on each other's egos and prides. And, they, and while never hearing the truth about you can do this better, you don't need to sound so harsh. You don't need to be so mean. We, we need to have somebody in our circle who can checkmate us. Amen, somebody. Somebody who can pull us aside and say, you know you can do better. But true witnesses tell the truth regardless of how it makes you feel, whether it hurts your feeling or not. If you're not going to be my friend because I've got to tell you the truth, then it's worth losing what has never been a friendship from the beginning, can I, may I, should I 
preach this. And so in this message today, the Lord is challenging us to examine what is our role, the reason we are here. Let us turn to the text as we turn our attention to this sacred text and examine what it says to us as it relates to our purpose, our relationship with the world that we live in. Our text is a part of an incredible discourse in the gospel that's called the Sermon on the Mount. It is a powerful teaching of Jesus as he shares his views concerning the principles of righteous and godly living with his disciples, with those that he would put in charge of winning the world for Jesus, those who would be the founders of the New Testament church. He begins to teach them. Jesus opens up chapter 5 by taking his disciples aside on a mountain, and he begins to teach them. Verses 3 to verse 12, uh, verses 3 to verse 12, he teaches from what biblical scholars have called the Beatitudes. Perhaps you've heard of them. He teaches about attitudes and how we should live and the things that we should do. The word Beatitude comes from a Latin word which means blessed, favored. It means uh, that, that you are favored, you are blessed uh, if you have this disposition and these attitudes. And he starts in verse 3. He identifies in verses 3 to 12, eight beatitudes that we ought to apply to our lives. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Verse 5, he says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You get no mercy if you don't show mercy. Uh, Jesus says, don't you act all mean and righteous to others when they do wrong. And when you do wrong, you want everybody to show mercy to you. He goes on to say, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, not the hell raisers. Can I say that again? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the sons of God. You've got a whole lot of hell. Can I say that in church? I'm sorry, I've already said it. And since my mama isn't here this morning, I can get by with it. Blessed are the peacemakers. Church is filled with a whole lot of hell raisers. Those who claim to be Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized on your way to heaven, and all you do is cause trouble. All you do is stir up stuff. All you do in the middle of stuff. God has no purpose for your attitude. All you do is cause confusion. For the church used to say, Deacon Al, the devil is the author of confusion. If you are a child of God, you ought not be a hell raiser, but a peacemaker. Blessed are any peacemakers in the house. Uh, you ought to be causing peace on your job not causing confusion. You ought to cause peace in your ministry, not cause confusion. Nothing worse than a bunch of fake Holy Ghost filled people acting saved, getting together, trying to do spiritual business, causing confusion. And so Jesus teaches against this. Then he said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. And theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile, persecute you, and say all kinds of evil and false things against you for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In other words, this should be your disposition. These eight Things ought to be a part 
of your daily life. But then Jesus goes on in verses 13 through 16 to share how we as believers, how those disciples of his should choose to follow his teaching, should strive to impact the world they live in. He uses a powerful analogy of salt and light. Listen to what Jesus says in these verses and then we're done. In verse 13, Jesus says, let me tell you why you are here. Just for the record, you didn't come here to show off your outfit. Just for the record, we aren't here so that they can say we've got the biggest church, the greatest church, the most anointed praise team. We got more church members than you. That's the devil's language and not God's. You're not here to compare yourself with others. Jesus says to him, let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. And if you lose your ability to be salt, how will people ever taste godliness? How would they ever see God? You've lost your usefulness and you will end up in the garbage. First century society, salt was both used to add taste and to preserve. Every good cook knows how to use the right amount of salt. I'm going somewhere in the next minute and I don't want you to miss this. It is important, please don't miss this. Sister Gwen, I hope they don't miss this. It is important to use the right amount of salt. Preach Pastor Jackson. Am I right about it? The good cooks would say, Deacon Kennedy, the right amount, you won't even taste it. You won't even know it. You won't even need to add anything. But there are some people who don't have enough salt. Who am I preaching to? And because they don't have enough salt, they are tasteless. Because they don't have enough salt, you can barely uh, deal with it. It, it's taste, it doesn't taste quite right. We say, it, it, excuse the grammar, it, it ain't seasoned. Right. Some of you got people in your family, big mama, sister, and there are others who think they can cook, but they really can't cook because they, <laughs> let me pre, I don't know what side of the church it looked to, but they can't do it. They, they, they just don't put enough seasoning in their food. And when you have food like that, it tastes, somebody say, bland. And that's why some of you are bland. And some of you, when you get up and try to do stuff, you're bland. You, 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 you just don't have enough. But then on the other hand, Pastor Jackson, whoo, there are some people of God that are too heavy-handed with their salt preach. I, let me just tell myself to preach. That's all right. You can say this. There, there are some people who use too much salt. You don't need or don't beat everybody across the head every time. Every time you walk in the house, there don't need to be a scripture. Every time you hear a cuss word on TV, you don't need to speak in tongues. Oh, he come out, come out. Y'all cut that mess off in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood over there. Shut up! Can I preach? Y'all use too much salt. Folk can't do anything unless you're pleading the blood of Jesus on them. You got a scripture for everything, what everybody does. Look at somebody and say, that's too much, baby. You don't have to preach on your job every day. 
Amen. You, you don't have to use scriptures for everything. You do. We've got to use the right amount. Salt, who am I preaching to? Some of you are too salty. Some of you tap of their way and dress sweeping the floor. I ain't talking about nobody. Just do whatever God called you to do. But some of you think you're too holy. Ain't nobody going to eat your food when it's too salty. Big mama sister thinks she can cook. But when I take it home after Thanksgiving, it goes right in the garbage. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Y'all got some aunts and some cousins like that. Child, you need to change. You need to taste this. It's so good. And when you get it home, it goes right in the garbage. Listen, I tell you this. I'm glad everybody's dead now. But my granddaddy lived in Taylor's in the community. And behind my granddaddy, there was a lady. Oh, I hope she don't have no family in this church. And her name was Miss Bunchy. Y'all know who I'm talking about. There. I think Miss Bunchy is dead. I don't know any family members. I can say this. Well, but Miss Bunchy was the worst cook in the whole community. She could not cook a lick. And she would bring my granddaddy food, and he wouldn't eat it, and he will make us eat it. And we didn't want to eat it. And granddaddy would say, even the dogs don't eat it. He said, I know Miss Bunchy means well, because my granddaddy was a widow. He lived by herself. Miss Bunchy thought she was happy. But we would say, Miss Bunchy would say, let me make them boys some food. And we said, no, we're full. That's all right. <laughs> Can I preach? There's some spiritual misbunches. <laughs> Y'all are too much. Nobody is going to tolerate all of that. Listen to what the noted scholar Dr. Herbert Locker says. In his commentary on the text, do I have time to preach this? Now, the Herbert Locker says this, the Lord expects his own to function as a moral and spiritual influence, preventing the spread of sin's corruptive forces. Ooh, just enough. Be enough. Not too little. Not too much. <laughs> okay, somebody say just enough. <laughs> then Jesus in verse 14 says, not only are you the salt of the earth, but you're the light of the world. He says in verse 14, you are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. He goes on to say to his followers that if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you up on a light stand. Now that I've put you there, Jesus says, on the hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Somebody say shine. Somebody say shine. In order for you to shine, the light must have first been in you. That's why we lift our hands as the old church says, shine on me. We used to sing that every Sunday, didn't we? Have? Let the light from the lighthouse. Y'all don't know anything about that, do you? Shine on me. Anybody want God's light to shine on you so that it can shine through you? Somebody lift those hands and say, Lord, shine shine on me let the light from the lighthouse shine on me key purpose of light was to illuminate dense and dark areas bringing clarity light even a match in a dark room will bring an illumination to an area am I right and then the purpose of light is to guide, Ooh, to be a lighthouse. I told the church earlier this morning, last year around this time, my wife, did, my wife and I took a trip to Maine. Went up to Maine and we visited the historic uh, lighthouses that were in the state of Maine. And it was so fulfilling to hear them share the purpose 
So we visited one of these lighthouses that sit up on a hill. And we had to ride up on the mountaintop to get all the way on the top of the hill. It was freezing cold. And the guide said, this lighthouse doesn't work. But for centuries, boats and ships, whoo, listen to this, would find their way home simply because this little light. And I said, Lord, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. And I told my wife, I said, there's a message in that. God wants us to be able to lead people to a safe place because of our light. God wants people to see our light and say, this is how you get back to the Father. This is how you get home. This is how you live a righteous life. But we need the light to first shine in us and on us so it can shine through us. I looked at that little lighthouse on the top of that mountain and there was a vast ocean out there in these cold New England waters, Sister Lisa. And I can imagine a ship that have lost their way. I can imagine a ship that may be wondering, how do I get back to the United States? But somewhere in the darkness... There's a light that says, come this way. Somewhere in the darkness, there's a light that says, follow me. Somewhere in the darkness, there's a light that says, this is how you get home to the Father. How many of you want to be that light? Is there anybody in here want to be that light? You can be that light. God has called you to be that light, but the light has to first shine in you before it can shine out of you. So somebody lift those hands and say, Lord, let the light from the lighthouse shine. Come on, say, Lord, let it shine. Lord, let it shine. I want to be that light. I want to be that light. I want to illuminate where I go. I want folk to see me and glorify you, my Father. All the worshipers, lift those hands and say, Lord, let us be that light. Now listen, it should never be about you. I'm here to tell you, I'm almost done with this antioxidant messages it's not about you see we don't and God made this clear to me one day there's a little flashlight that they gave me when I brought a vehicle a long time ago and it was in my glove compartment Deacon Tommy Wells and God says you use it when you need it and I remember being on a dark road and I needed to see and I found that flashlight and I shined the light on where the problem was Ooh, here it is so, so the emphasis is not on the flashlight but on the light that it shines on on the things that it shines on we too often have celebrated the flashlight and not the items that it illuminates can I preach to somebody? We, we too often have pat ourselves on the back and had our anniversaries and appreciations for the flashlight and not the items it illuminates. Ooh. And if there's somebody who now lives a better life because the light shined on them, they ought to be celebrated. If there's a young man who got out and was delivered out of the streets, he should be celebrated. If there's a young lady who said, yes, I had a child as a teenager, but because you allowed the light to shine in my life, I'm a good mother right now. I'm doing great things right now. I'm praising God right now. Celebrate the things the light makes better. Can I preach and not the light? And here's how Jesus puts it. By opening up to others, you will prompt people to open up with God. Ah, I set you a light on the hill and men will see your good works, King James says, and glorify your father which is in heaven. Please tell somebody this is not about you but this is about what you can make better, who you can make 
better as you stand to your feet all over this place. There are three key insights. Get your phone out. Take a picture of these that I want to leave you with this morning. My assignment from God was to preach this message and to preach it the way that God wanted it to be preached. Not to jump, not to shout, not to fall out, not this Sunday. Not this Sunday. But I want you to grow. This will help you grow. Three key insights we should take away. Number one is this. Our purpose in society, the church's purpose, Bible way's purpose, as believers, your purpose is to make this world a better place. I told the church this morning for the last month or so I've been struggling because I found my attention too obsessed with material building projects and not the impact that those projects would do. Y'all excuse me for a moment, but sometimes we will find ourselves obsessed with the materialistic things and not the lives that it touches or changes. And God said to me, you can spend millions of dollars building a children's and a youth center or a youth and children's home. But if you don't change the lives of young people and children, it's just brick and mortar. Look at somebody and say, it's just a building. <laughs> it's just a building if it doesn't change the lives of people. You can have the greatest church. You can have all the other things. You can build houses, grocery stores. You can do all of that. But at the end of the day, if you don't make where you are better, you're no different than any other developer who's doing it not to change lives but for economic prosperity. Can I talk to you? And so insight number one is very clear. Please write this down. Take a picture of it because I, I, I want this to be embedded in your mind for the rest of this year and the years to come. Our purpose in society is to make the world a better place. That's it. It's real simple. It, it is real simple. <laughs> we don't have to get all deep. You know, you don't have to write a 10-page paper about what our purpose goes and all. Here it is, to make this world a better place. So you ask the question, ministry leaders, in all of your planning, am I making the world better? <laughs> Am I making people better? Am I helping young people to be better and prosperous? Am I making them better? Listen, there's nothing worse than at the end of your life thinking I could have done more. I should have done more. Life is so short. Life is so fragile. Ooh. Make it better. Look at somebody and say, make it better. Make your job better, your family better, your community better. Insight number two, we can make this world a better place by being the salt of the earth. Here's why I love the message Bible. Adding a God flavor, a special flavor of godliness to this world helping to preserve its integrity and a moral compass not too much salt not too little salt but just enough whew, to make it better here's the third and the final insight as we prepare for this altar the third and the final insight we can make this world a better place by being the light of 
the world, shining where there is darkness, helping to guide those who are lost to salvation through Jesus Christ. The problem with the church is that we are light among light. <laughs> you can cut a flashlight on in the broad daylight in a lighted room and you won't even notice that it's on. Am I right about it? But you can strike a match in a pitch dark room in the furthest corner of the room and you can see its flame. If you're going to be the light, shine among darkness. <laughs> Illuminate where there's confusion. Bring peace where there's turmoil. Bring love where there's hatred. Stop becoming light among light and be light among darkness and watch God use you. Look at somebody and say the reason we are here. The altar is now open. Sister Regina and the worship and arts team coming with a, one of my favorite old time songs. In fact, Mount Zion uh, Church in Nashville, Bishop Joseph Walker, our friend, his choir redid this song a few years ago for a Christmas cantata called Walk in the Light. Beautiful light. Come where the dew drops of mercy shine bright. Shine all around us by day and by night. Somebody say, Jesus, the light of the world. Listen, if you want to be light, if you want to be sought, if you want to be used by God to make wherever you are, whatever you're doing better. This perhaps is a good Sunday for you that don't normally come to the altar to just come and say, Lord, I need you to use me right now. Come on. Uh, maybe God, to those of you that are joining us virtually, God says I'm challenging you also to be sought and to be light. If you want to be an influencer, you don't have to be a social media influencer. You can be a spiritual influencer where people will see how humble you are, how nice you are, how kind you are, and you would influence them to follow your God. Come on right now. Somebody walk in the light. Come on, listen. That's all right. Ah, yeah. God is calling somebody to walk in the light right now. Come on, y'all.
church. Everybody walk, walk, walk. Soft to walk in the light. Come on and walk. Walk. Yeah, yeah. Somebody feel that. Come, come, come. Ah, praying for you. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, that's right, brother musician. Woo, yeah, 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 yeah. an old Baptist revival altar call. One more time, brother musicians, come on and tell them. us not to be too much or too little. 
Help us to be the right amount of salt <laughs> that would add flavor, that will share with people just how good you are. The psalmist said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then, Lord, help us to be light, the light of the world, not a blinding light that takes away our ability to see. Help us to be the right amount of light that can help guide those who are lost. Help us to be the right amount of light that can expose darkness to true salvation. Help us to be the light and the salt that will lead those who are lost to you. And when they see us, they will not celebrate us. They will not glorify us. They will not praise us. But they can celebrate, praise, and glorify you. This is our prayer. In your name we pray and give thanks. Everybody that know it is so said amen, amen. Come on and clap those hands right now. If you want prayer, if you want to join the church, numbers on the screen. If you need someone to pray for you individually right now, you can go to the back of the church and the elders and the ministers are there to pray with you. Come on, quiet beauties. Uh,